Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Welcome to episode 462 of Longbox Heroes. I'm Todd, joined with Joe, who's done with his community service from last week and is back. How are we doing today, Joe? Very NPR-ish on the uh, opening there, Todd. What was that? What, my dulcet tones? Yes, you were like, um, if only I remember the names of people on NPR. Mm. Mm. I don't know anybody on the on the nipper. Ira Glass. I'm smooth as glass, is what you're saying? No? Yes? Maybe? No. All right. So, uh, I'm back from vacation. I have a tan-ish. No one got sunburns, and the only one who got injured severely was me. Oh. I hope it was your body, not your soul, that got injured. Mm -hmm. Well, to injure my soul, I have to have a soul. But... Uh, If you followed me along on the old Twitter machine of the pictures of my vacation, which were mostly the food I ate, uh, (laughs) I also also included a picture of my busted up toe uh, as well. I missed the the toe-gram, so I didn't see that one, but I don't want to go back and look. Uh, I don't need to see any more busted up feet after Antonio Brown for the Raiders, so I'm good. Mm -hmm. You don't want to know. I thought you were going to say you don't want to see any more feet pictures after seeing the latest Quentin Tarantino picture. There was a lot of feet in that movie, by the way. I forgot I, to I, mention. I hear Quentin Tarantino likes feet. Well, you need him to walk, Joe. You need him to walk. I guess. So that's more of an after dark discussion. Right. See how for us it all comes together? It does like a plan for Hannibal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, what do we got on the show here, Todd? Updates on all the on what's happening with all those Walmart 100-page uh, ex- exclusive books. What CGC's newest opportunity is joe oh boy it's cgc opportunity huh that's right and also what the the segment everybody's always looking forward to the rob watch is back with multiple things so Uh oh we've been off for two weeks so the rob has been the busy that's right we also have uh con news free digital books and sales what we read last week, which was, and the week before, I got my brain wrap around that. We have Fantastic Four number 12 and Valkyrie number one. What we're looking forward to this week. Um, and also at the end of the episode, we're going to have spoiler fill talk of two episodes of Swamp Thing and two episodes of Krypton. And also somewhere in the show, the return of Joe's favorite thing that we ever do on the show. Yep, absolutely my favorite thing. <laughs> Only as much as uh, signing up for, it's also doing the. Because I think this year I'm on my own, if that's a uh, hint for you. What? Flying solo? Solo, they can't hear me. Or at least mm. I hope not, after what I just said before. <laughs> true, true. So, uh, with all that being said, Todd, I also want to uh, tip my John Cena cap to you. Uh, with not only the bang-up job that you and Matt did with the uh, episode 461, but uh, the critical response. Uh, everyone seemed to love the uh, the idea of the show and the uh, stories presented in the way that they were presented therein. I am a presenter. That's what I am. I'm glad people liked it. It was fun. We went to a nice uh, 
uh, coffee shop, sat down and had a had an interesting conversation. So I'm glad everybody enjoyed it. I think it might be something, whether or not on the main show, like you know, to substitute a main show, but maybe something on the side. Uh, maybe we could do some interviews with with specialists, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. Uh, you know, obviously it's things as big speculator things come up. Maybe we could discuss them in the future. Right. Or other things. I have some ideas, so we'll just All right. I'm sure you'll forget them as soon as we're done recording. I've already forgotten. <laughs> there you go. So, let's get into the news, of course. Um, one of the longest-running stories. No, no, not a delay of uh, Doomsday Clock. <laughs> it's still uh, on, on the... time. It's still it's, on time. It's still on its late time. And, oh, by the way, Todd, mm-hmm. I have what your penance is for losing that bet. Right, it's a dinner as we discussed. No, we made no, the no, bet. no, no. You don't no, change no. bets, but go no, ahead. No, 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 no. Dinner is the uh, what's call it? The 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 what the other is looking forward to coming out this week. Mm-hmm. I have something else, and I'm not going to do it <laughs> because I remember when we did this. We said we'll just make it another dinner, and uh. you agreed. And now we're changing the rules. I don't deal with changing bets midstream. I, I don't. You don't deal with rumor and innuendo. I totally deal in rumor and innuendo. This see, is the thing, I, the thing that I need to make you do for the show. See, I don't make bets without knowing what I'll be paying beforehand. That's a uh, rule that I have. Gotcha. I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna get you to do this thing regardless. It's gonna be outside of the bets. But anyway, mm-hmm. tangents, tangents. Uh, the Walmart books, the hundred page giants, uh, that are now just finally being collected in, uh, your retail shops, your brick and mortar stores, right? Mm-hmm. So they were kind of filtering from Walmart to Target as well. Um, you know, they had the, uh, DC primal age thing and there's no definitive date of when this is actually going to begin, um, I, well, actually, it's supposed to be with whatever the next line is for October, um, that they are, are going to be released as is, like not as the anthology collections like they're or their anthology collections. Now, the Batman story, the Wonder Woman story, the new material is being pulled out and sold separately like months later at the retail shops, whereas they're going to be sold as the hundred page giants, at the retail shops. It's just that your targets and Walmarts are going to get them about a month in advance. Okay. And this is starting with the next round of them in October. Right, which I thought there was some 100-pagers in this previews that we got last week. Some weird thing that I thought had to do with it, but I have no idea, you know? And and see, that's the thing. I don't have previews at my fingertips, but it could be because this previews that came out the diamond catalog is for october stuff then okay then i do believe the the hundred pages are in it so right so the hundred pages are in it it's just that walmart and target are going to get them about a month in advance hmm. that's interesting so I, i'm wondering if they'll have all the same trade dress and everything uh, there... so far it seems as though it's going up right there's nothing specific yeah because i'm looking at it here uh, there's a Scooby-Doo, a Flash, a Batman, a DC Villains, a Wonder Woman, a Swamp Thing, an Aquaman, a DC Ghosts, a Teen Titans, and a DC Superhero Girl. Mm-hmm. And they're all like the same format of, you know, 100-page giants, actually 96 pages of story. 
uh, with 24 to 32 pages of new material, depending on what ones you're all looking at there. Which, yes, because the original, the ones that are in Walmart right now are 12 pages of new story each issue. Right. So that is a little bit of a change there. Mm Mm-hmm. So if the price point is the same, because aren't they only like five or six bucks at Walmart? They are four ninety nine at Walmart. Okay, so if they're four nine, well, four ninety nine—that's the price of a regular uh, X Men comic these days. Anyway, <laughs> with or without seeds, mm. that didn't make the cut for news this week. No, it did not. Uh, but that being said, if they remain at the four ninety nine, and it's more uh, new material, and and uh, it's good creative teams, I would prefer getting them from my store directly. Because then I don't have to worry about some schlub or some schmo at a Walmart or a Target remembering to put them out or not to put them underneath the uh, ooze-filled whatevers. (laughs) Put them under the yogurt. (laughs) Right, exactly. Mm. How did you find the 100-page giants? I moved the mashed potatoes and they were right there. But anyway. (laughs) yeah. Well, my take on it is, too, is also, some shops, if you know you're a loyal customer, they give you discounts. You know what I mean? Yeah. And stuff like yeah. that. So, like, Walmart ain't giving you a discount. So, maybe if your local store has, like, you know, a, a small or a shopper, like, I'm trying to think, like, a buyer's club or whatever, where you, you get certain uh, privileges, maybe you can get a cheaper ad from your shop than Walmart. You never know. Right, so if you were missing them for, you know, not wanting to support a Walmart type thing or your Walmart didn't have them. Like my know? right, like my Walmart never had them. And I had to like take a trek like 20 miles or 25 miles or have Todd pick them up when he was going around, you know? It's funny, my technically if I buy them from Walmart or uh from the comic shop, technically my my middleman hasn't changed. Uh, the people who brought me each of them, if you know what I mean. I do. So there you go. I'm good. I'm good to go. I have all the Walmart books that I need to, that I can handle. I'm excited. I'm excited I'm- to see who the creative teams are going to be. Um, yeah, that's it. The one thing that I just want to say is if in the previews that I looked at, it just had these titles with their, with the price point and the page number, but none of who the new, the creators were, which kind of, I'm going to kind of need that information before I order. That would be good. And again, I didn't even peruse the previews to know for sure, but we'll certainly double check those out, you know? Right, right. Uh, so the other thing that Todd brought to my attention was the latest uh, CGC comic, or is it comic grading company is what it stands for? I believe so. I always, I have no idea, but I think that's what it is. Right. Their latest um, opportunity that they have. Mm-hmm. So they did for the, I guess, I'm assuming that this would be the um most graded book which is why they're doing it in this fashion uh or maybe it's just the book that's closest to a nice round number mm-hmm. you know what i mean like maybe they have something that was cgc more but it's not, it's not anywhere near a special numbering to get what they're gonna do right so there's yeah, i wonder so yeah okay so it says um from their press release uh, there's no denying that Todd McFarlane's Venom has been a fan favorite since his debut in 1988. 
first of all, Todd McFarlane, like David Michelini created Venom, but okay, let's not mix things here, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that statement is further reinforced today from CGC co- submission volume. The total number of Amazing Spider-Man 300 graded by CGC is quickly nearing the 20,000 milestone. To celebrate, CGC will be grading the 20,000th copy for free. Not only that, but the 20,000th copy will sport a -a one-of-a-kind label with a notification 20,000th certified copy. Mm-hmm. Now is a better time than ever to send in your amazing Spider-Man 300 for grading through the online submission forms. Who knows? Maybe you'll be the lucky recipient of our 20,000th graded label. Yes. Todd. Yes. So am I sending in my copy or are you sending in yours? I, I think you're going to have to send in your copy because I don't have a copy. Okay. So do you have a copy of uh, 300? I do. Okay. Is it a nice enough copy to get graded? Oh, man, what if it's a crappy copy? That, like, like, it's a gets... four, and it's 20,000. <laughs> now, see, this opens up so many problems, okay? Opportunities. Well, I didn't say scams. Right. No, I just know what you're saying. I don't know how there could be a problem here. Go ahead. Okay. So now you're push-rushing more people to send in 300, okay? Mm-hmm. And as Todd mentioned, maybe that is the book that, like, I don't know how they keep track of these things. They claim that they've graded over 5 million books, whatever, right? First of all, I want to see the numbers of what the most graded book and what the least graded book is, right? Uh, They do keep a track of that. You have to be a member of CGC to look it up, though, I think. Okay. Maybe I might join just to do that, right? Um, I think uh, we have a couple of people who are there, so we might not have to join, but go ahead. Okay. So that being said, is it such a far stretch between this 20,000? And let's say this is the first. They're doing this with Amazing Spider-Man 300 because this is the this is the most graded book that they've ever had come across their things, right? Okay. So now what happens when we get to the 30,000th copy of Amazing Spider-Man 300? Or maybe the next book that gets to 20,000 and the next book after that? And the next book after that. So what? What do you? What, they get a special label, right? A, so, a different label. So if every book has a every twenty thousandth graded copy has a special label, are they all really that special, Todd? If everything has a special label, does anything have a special? Label? No, I get what you're saying, and I'm, I I think it's a farce as it is. It's just to drum up people sending in 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 a certain book or whatever like but i don't see how i mean how many times how long is it going to take to get to 10,000 or another 10,000 issues of amazing spider-man 300 so like it's not like tomorrow there's going to be a label but i do think there'll be a label for another book within a month like once they hit that oh yeah they well they'll see how it plays out like does do we does it bump up our our intake of amazing spider-man 300s yeah it did but it's not really worth it to do what we're doing whatever like it was we didn't get the the influx that we thought we're doing if they get overwhelmed with them it's going to be like what's next justice league like whatever or this book or that book and then every month or every two weeks you're going to see a label pop up for something and 
to me, I don't do CGC books, so I don't care. But I don't know how this is going to affect the CGC people. Because what's your shot to get the label? Like one in 8,000? You know what I mean? So I don't know. That's my take on it. And again, I will give them a little bit of credit that, you know, of the submissions, the person who ends up getting the 20,000, they'll get, like, it for free. Mm Mm-hmm. And is that going to be like a reimbursement? Because don't you have to pay up front for it, right? Uh, yeah, I, I think so. Uh-huh. Uh, but you they, but one of the things with a book like that is, because it's so expensive, isn't what you pay on a sliding scale to what the book is worth? I think there's a flat fee up front. And then like you gauge that on what, top of it. Right. What, and also you kind of gauge what you're... You're like, okay, this is what I think the book is, so I kind of pay for that, and then whatever, you know, they add on top of it, like you said, a sliding gate. I, I don't know. Um, I know uh, the guy I interviewed last week could probably explain it all to us if we need it. Hmm. How to CGC a book, but yeah, I don't, I don't know any because I never did any of it, and I have two, three, four friends that that do this, mm-hmm. and I've never asked them because I care, a big squadoosh, how much I care, right. So then the other thing that you brought up is, like, and again, I don't know what condition mine is in. You know, I can go mm-hmm. grab it. It's it's a readable copy. It's not, it still has its cover. All the staples are in there. I don't think there's any yellowed pages. Hardly but, any SpaghettiOs on. Right. Yeah, only mud and cookies, not right. uh, chocolate doo-doo fingers. Right. But what if that 20,000 is, like, a, a four? That Or a fantastic. three. Or, like, a just a piece of junk book, right? Mm-hmm. Do they accidentally forget to grade that so that the big number 20,000 could be a pristine like 9.6 or a 9.8 or something? I have a feeling that no matter what that 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 it's going to it's going to be a 9.6 or a 9.8. That's that it's going to be cuz who's by sending the law of average because there's got to be at least, you know, another 5 to 6 or 7 800 near mint copies of a 30 year old or very fine whatever the grading is of a 30 plus year old book well let me now all right all joking aside who do you who's sending in books that are 5.5s to be i mean do you know what i mean like to me it would be like we're we're only sending in the cream of the crop at this point for these big books You'd be surprised on what one person thinks their book's value is oh they're all right. down. Hey, they're all in the the original plastics. Right. Oh, don't get me started. So I might do this. I might look up to see how much it is to send in three three hundred just just for the rib to see if I get the twenty thousand. I would love for long box heroes to have the twenty thousand. Yep. Uh, amazing Spider Man three hundred. So, uh, moving off of that. It is time for the side segment of the news section, which is the Rob Watch. Yes. I want to mention uh, here uh, from two weeks ago's episode, someone in the comment comments, Morg the X, uh, commented, he said, the Rob name drops are no substitute for a full the Rob Watch segment. To which I replied, the Rob behaved himself this past week. But I see he's making an appearance in the UK for the London Film Comic Con. Let's hope he doesn't go off the rails there. Mm. Prophetic words. Prophetic words, Tom. Before we get to uh, the Rob's adventures overseas, let's get to the Rob's adventures with his own characters. 
Mm-hmm. So in a and what I guess is a classic the Rob move, somehow he no longer has the publishing rights to Youngblood. He should have stayed at Marvel. <laughs> uh so I guess, and it's a little muddy. Uh, he had a partner in his publishing company, uh, a guy by the name of Andrew Rev. And they were like uh, partners with Rob through Malibu, going to Image, going to Awesome Studios, and all that sort of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And through a whole bunch of things, uh, Andrew Rev is now the owner to publish Youngblood. Uh, the Rob then took to his own website. I'm not going to read the whole thing because he kind of details a little bit. Uh, says that he got in bed with, you know, this guy at Malibu Comics and, you know, so on and so forth. Uh, and then it comes down to through this series of events. Okay, so long story short, after failing to come to terms on two movie deals in recent years uh, that I was certain were moving forward, uh, I contacted guy from Awesome uh, and informed him that he should expect some participation. And then I was informed last year uh, that to raise the capital, he had sold or partnered with someone for Youngblood Comics and Toys. I was stunned but not surprised. These are the most important assets that he possesses and needs to raise funds. The man he partnered with was a man by the name of Andrew Rev, someone unknown to me. And he informed me a number of times in the past he could make me a big success in comics. The next Todd McFarlane, even. And, and told me I could audition for producing Youngblood Comics. You can imagine how well that went over with me. Uh, so I currently have questionable access to the Youngblood characters. Characters I created and shepherded for ne- nearly three decades. As a result, I shut down the storyline that would take Youngblood to issue 100 and beyond, which was a Kickstarter that he is not following through with people on. Exactly. Uh, So he says, I have access to Bloodstrike, Brigade, Berserkers, Bloodwolf, Rejects, Kaboom, Evangeline, and others in my portfolio completely under my domain. As I informed everyone last year, I walked away from Netflix because I felt it was not the best opportunity at this time in our ever-changing world. I'm a finicky cat. Uh, So he is going to contact this Andrew Rev guy about possibly getting the rights back and working with this guy. Um, He owns the trademark, but he doesn't own the publishing rights to his own characters. Wow. Wow. I mean, like, if you were going to create your own characters and then not own them, like I said, he should have just stayed at Marvel. I don't know. That's that's crazy. That's like, you know, like probably why the Kickstarter felt there. I know he was saying Netflix didn't feel right, but there was probably all kinds of reasons. He's he's probably shopping around Hollywood characters that he didn't own. So and then mm-hmm. it was like, hmm. Maybe I can't do this. Maybe, you know, when you have to put put out the pedigree to Netflix, it's like, all right, let's see the papers that you own these characters. I don't got them. I can, I'll bring them next time. Sign, sign the contract. And give me the check. No, Mr. Liefeld, I don't think so. So then at the London and Film Comic Con, he was, it was a Friday, Saturday, Sunday convention. Mm-hmm. And apparently uh, Friday was no problem. But then Saturday, Rob tweeted out, I'm sick in bed trying to summon the strength to make it to the show. Please spread the word. 
I may faint signing your stuff, but I will be there until closing. And then the organizers of the convention were saying, like, we sent people to come get you. We had people pay for an extra thing uh, for you to be there. And you weren't there. Um, tweeting out, if someone sees Rob on the con, con floor, could they remind him that his photo shoot is still waiting for him? So Rob was having all sorts of uh, concerns with the organizers of the, of the convention of being in the wrong places at the wrong time. It's just a wacky misunderstanding a la Three's Company, Joe. Right. <sighs> and now, that's the thing. The fans that did get to meet Rob said how great it was an experience, how awesome Rob was, highlighted my weekend, took a photo with him, all this other stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But the organizers, I guess, had some issues in t- in getting Rob to get to the places that the organizers had him supposed to be at. Mm-hmm. The the Rob is a tough guy to pin down. Sorry, you can't listen. You can't control a Rob. You can only hope to contain the Rob. Yes, and it's like, all right, we're you kind of hurt him. Like, you know, like, he's like a cat. You just He's not going to do what you want. He's just going to stand there and look majestic, Joe. And I wonder if he schnotted on your books. Is that, like, extra? Oh. Let's see. It's like it's like signature, 15 bucks. The, the Rob Liefeld signature, 30 bucks. Rob snot DNA, 100 bucks. So you could clone your own Rob. It's like, I got, I got a, a The Rob at home. Oh, that would be fantastic. So I don't see the Rob's name on any conventions this weekend, so I'm glad he's taking some time off to convalesce. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there are a bunch of other conventions going on all over the world uh, this weekend, uh, starting with the Soda City Comic Con in Florence, South Carolina. Uh, Michael Rooker, uh, Kevin Conroy, the great John Glover uh, is going to be there, and Jeremy Whitley, formerly of the Wasp book, and of the upcoming Future Foundation book as well. Uh, Then there is Comic-Con Scotland, and I only bring this one up. It's called a Comic-Con. Not a lot of comic guests that I recognize, but Christopher Lloyd is going to be there. Jean-Claude Van Damme is going to be there. Hmm. Burt Young is going to be there. And you're going to say, I don't know who Burt Young is. Uh, Is that, I have no idea who Burt Young is. That's Paulie from the Rocky movies. Oh, I'm glad he's getting work. Yes. He had made a convention appearance, I think, around this time last year. I I hope he does have fun in Scotland. Uh, But this one, I just want to say, is more of a warning than anything else Mm -hmm. to the uh, good fans over in Scotland, whoever they may be. Both Brutus the Barber Beefcake and Marty Jannetty are going to be there. Marty Generics making an appearance? Mm-hmm. So, uh, they have a history. Now, I would like to think that Brutus has kind of cleaned himself up and is more on the straight and narrow than he was back in the 80s and 90s. I can't vouch for Marty. Uh, but I'm only going to say <laughs> that there was a convention about a month or so ago that Marty Jannetty was at. And Doc Gooden was at, and then that weekend, <laughs> Doc Gooden was arrested for uh, DWI and cocaine possession. 
Oh, boy. Two unrelated events, but I just wanted to throw that out there. Now, I have a quick question, and I try to never ask about wrestling, Joe. It, is uh, Marty Jannetty's feud with Brutus the Barter, Barber Beefcake because he never paid him for the window that he broke trying to escape? Oh, you know, that's not a bad point. I think that's part part of the uh, concern. I think it is. It's like you you owe me X amount of dollars for my barbershop window that you tried to escape from Shawn Michaels, and you know I never got that back. And owing money can can lead to troubles between friends like that. So uh-huh. I, I'm going out, put it in the dirt sheet. It's fact. Yes. And again, it's just you know we have to obviously it's a good part of comic book conventions uh, is the wrestling folks that are going to be at things, the nerd and out. Comic Con in Rochester, Minnesota. Uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan and Jake the Snake Roberts are going to be there. <laughs> Boy, again, an unrelated story to the previous Brutus the Barber <laughs> Beefcake and Marty Jannetty story. Uh, the Steel City Comic Con. Uh, George Takei is going to be there. Steve Gutenberg is going to be there, and Morgan Fairchild is going to be there. I wonder if Steve's going to be selling his Bibles. Hmm. <laughs> I, if I was him, I would have signed Steve Gutenberg Bibles. I would have him sign copies of Navy Seals, but that's oh, just me. That's our that's our opportunity. Yes, but Don't the give big, it away. Oh, but the big convention this weekend, Todd, is right. Terrificon in some place in Connecticut at the Mohegan Sun Expo Center and Cosino and Cosino. Oh, and we'll get to this here momentarily. So. Uh, on the media guest side, uh, Billy D. Williams, Val Kilmer. Boy, I'd love to get interviews with those guys. Uh, and Derek Mears is going to be there. Um, Todd, who's that? Derek Mears is the Swamp Thing. <gasps> Which Swamp Thing, though? The new Swamp Thing. The newest thing of the Swamp? Yes. Okay. He was also Jason uh, in the most recent uh, Friday the 13th movies, and he's actually quite the affable fellow from podcasts that I've heard him on. Oh, that's nice. And after that, it is a murderer's row of comic book creators. Mm -hmm. Jim Steranko, Chris Claremont, uh, Brian Azzarello, Tom King, Dan Juergens, Tom Grommet, Clay Mann, Donnie Cates, Ryan Stegman, Carrie Nord, Barry Kitson. Mark Bagley and Salty Keith is going to be there. Oh, Salty Keith. And as I understand it, there's one other luminary going to be there who's not on the official guest list. A podcasting luminary. And that's the man on the other side of the microphone from me. And that's Todd. That's right. I, along with a friend of the show, Josh, are heading to Terrific Con Saturday only. But all day uh, we're going there. I don't know if you know this, Joe. Uh, Terrific Con, the Mohegan Sun Casino has two Krispy Kremes. That's what uh, Josh always tries to sell people on to go. It worked for me and the the comic stuff, and it's a casino. So I'm going to be there. I'm going to have the classic, the new new Johnny Cash bag filled with stickers and pins. Come see me. And I'll be wandering around. And I also have, I'm not going to say from who, I have a commission lined up, done and paid for, ready for me at Terrific Con. But I'm not going to say who it is. I'm going to surprise everybody. Well, I know I I know who it's not. Oh, it's who canceled? Yes. <laughs> oh, I didn't know he canceled. I just assumed it's not him. Uh, who's him? Uh, not oh. <laughs> Cam? 
Yes, I'm trying Damn, to be cryptic here. I don't want to blow up anyone's spot or embarrass anyone. Right, no, because the original reason I was going was because Derek Robertson was going to be there. Oh, okay. I thought maybe you knew that. But uh, I always wanted a uh, Spider Jerusalem from him. Yes, yes. And he was going to be there all three days, and he he does sketches for uh, what's the Hero Initiative. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, let's go. And then all of a sudden... Uh, just like a week or, or a couple weeks ago, it was like, due to, you know, scheduling conflict, Derek Robertson will not be pl- attending Terrificon. I was like, grumble, 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 things that I can't say or we'll have to edit the show again. Um, <laughs> so so I'm, I'm upset about that. But then Josh put me on to somebody else. And I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna, I have I have the press credential, Joe, the official press credential. So I'm like, you know what? I might as well go. It's a casino. I could probably go get my my thing, get buy some comics, maybe see some other people. If Josh is busy getting sketches because he's Mister Sketcheroony, I'll uh I'll just hit the blackjack tables and get some free drinks because I ain't driving home. So three things about this con. One, mm-hmm. I, I want to mention that in a in a podcast I heard about last year, Donnie Cates had mentioned mm-hmm. that he had all these books in his schedules and he was trying not to do a bunch of conventions. But when his wife saw this one in particular, along with a few other ones that were held at casinos, <laughs> she practically demanded that he go to those conventions. That's fantastic. I might be sitting next. I'll interview her if I'm sitting next to her at, a, yes. at the blackjack table. Number two. Being that there are two Krispy Kreme donuts at this particular Mohegan Sun mm-hmm. uh, Expo Center, I need you to check if they have those Reese's peanut butter donuts that our local Krispy Kreme has two notices posted in their window that they refuse to sell them. Oh, I wonder if it's because of all the peanut allergies. <laughs> and that's exactly what it is. So if they do have them, are you saying you want me to bring one home? Uh, I don't know if it'll travel. Um, if you feel as though it will, then it will... I would like to eat them. Okay, here's the way I'm going to put it. I think they will travel very safely within my belly on the way. <laughs> <laughs> like, we could hit a tractor trailer. It will be fine in this cushioned body, Joe. Mm-hmm. So I'll, we'll see. Maybe of all the things that I could bring back from a Comic-Con, Joe wants donuts. Yes. Uh, and I, I will say this, if either one or both has the sign up that they refuse to sell them, I'd like a picture of the, just tweet out a picture of the sign. Mm-hmm. And Todd, we've mentioned a bunch of creators at this convention. You mentioned your pr- press credentials. Mm-hmm. I know you're going to be busy. You're only going to be one there, one day there. At the very least, if you can get a Mark picture or a few words at Salty Keith. I'm going to try. I tried to bring you along, but you had to take your stupid vacation last week. That's right. So you're like, I have no more days, which is what I'm telling you every time (laughs) you ask me to go somewhere. Good. You want to go to a mall in Phillipsburg, New Jersey next weekend with me? You know what? I would love to. Oh, okay. What's that for? For uh, wrestling. I mean, yay. We'll see. So uh, all the links, of course, to these conventions will be in the show notes as well as the links to the soon-to-be-named network at soon-to-be-named-network.com, where anytime any of the shows in the network go live or any of the folks on these shows or on other shows go up and they remind me, I will put them up on the site, whether it be episodes of this show, Long Box Goes After Dark, with a spirited discussion in regards to Quentin Tarantino's latest film, 
as well as the um I guess what were we talking about, like moving stuff in drop boxes and stuff? Yeah, there were, I don't know where you started recording, but we yeah. were discussing Dropbox stuff. Right, right. Uh Puzzle Warriors three, profane arguments, at odds with wrestling, and of course the newest member to the soon to be named network, which is final wrestling place, where friends of mine, Tim and Marcus, uh take a topic for a month or so and kind of dissect it, put it in the good place or the bad place. Not a full review of a thing, but this uh, current month, because it's summertime, they're doing different bash events from uh, the worlds of uh, professional wrestling. They just recently did Great American Bash 2006, uh, Great American Bash 2000, which was a epic disaster of Vince Russo-like perfor- per, uh uh, performances, but they're the newest members, so definitely check them out. They usually go out uh, Monday at midnight, kind of like how this goes out Wednesday at midnight, but it'll all be up at soon to be named network.com or soon to be named network.tumblr.com. Also, over in the show notes, of course, is going to be the links to all the sales going on. We got a bunch of sales going on here. Uh, Dynamite is having a sale, what they call Action Adventure Heroin Sale. I guess that's like their lady comics. Mm-hmm. I guess there's a better way to put that on my end than their end. They're also having a sale on the comic book The Boys. I'm not sure why. I'm sure maybe we'll talk about that a little bit in the TV section. Mm-hmm. Uh, DC is having a Vertigo sale after they just wrapped up a recent sale on just the Sandman side of things. This is pretty much everything else plus Sandman on sale. Uh, Marvel is having a sale both on Black Widow-related books as well as Carnage-related books for some reason. Uh, the new freebies that we have available uh, would be the X-Men 2099, uh, Ultimate Iron Man number one, written by that guy who was that Orson Scott Card guy. What was the movie series, the book series that they just recently turned into a bunch wow. of movies that didn't do so well? I know. I, I don't know. I, it's right on the tip of my tongue. Don't know. Right. Uh, the Star Wars Lando book, which has like some it's one of those things where like it gets released as Star Wars Lando. And then when it gets collected for trade, it's called Star Wars Lando double or nothing. Hmm. Uh, so, you know, it's putting some different branding out on these books and Agents of Atlas. Number one, uh, a kind of fun under the radar book from about uh, 13 years or so. Uh, Agents of Atlas are kind of back after the fallout of all of the War of the Realm stuff. And this is kind of where they began their resurgence back into the Marvel Universe. Uh, Orson Scott Card is Ender's Game. Ender's Game, that's right. They did a movie of that that failed. It had Harrison Ford. I don't know how it could. Mm -hmm. But all the links to that, like I said, will be in the show notes for this episode. And uh, Todd, let's get into what we've read over the last two weeks since I was away. Um, I'm going to start with what would have been my book that I was look, looking most forward to this week. Uh, that just past week is Fantastic Four number 12, written by Dan Slott and art by Sean Izaski. Uh I probably nailed it. Um, but basically the story is that once a year, Ben for 12 hours, I think it's 12 hours is able to transform into his original, like Ben Grimm flesh, stuff like that. I think it was years ago in a, in a story that Reed came up with the formula. He couldn't change him back, but he could, uh, 
you know, be like, I can give you this gift that it'd be, it'll be fun to, you know, be Ben Grimm for a little while. And it's, he's going to use it to go on his honeymoon with, he just, you know, married Alicia Masters. So they go and while they're there, they're having fun. He's still the thing. He hasn't changed yet, but uh, there's this creature coming towards the island. We don't know what it is. And in the end, it turns out to be the incredible Hulk and he wants to smash uh, thing we find out that it's really the puppet master alicia's father who's controlling him using some of the clay that he got in a previous issue uh to make a, a hulk uh, puppet and they go at it but things are happening because soon the thing is going to turn back into ben Grimm. and what's going to happen i'm a man who loves all the ben you know thing hulk throwdowns things should always lose to the hulk i never he should always have o and that's that should be ben o and uh grim uh so i i hope it turns out that way but i'm a sucker for everything hulk battle and this is only halfway through but i i was in my glory reading this i don't know about if it's gonna you know be that way for everybody else but because what i like i had such a blast reading this book you can and i get where you're coming from you could only do the thing versus the Hulk so many times without having to spice it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And the spice here is that the Hulk is being controlled by the puppet master. I'm all about it. Right. You also have the spice in there that the, that Ben is on a timer because he's about to turn back into regular Ben Grimm, non-Rocky, non-superpowered Ben Grimm. Mm-hmm. So you got two spices on this battle, right? Mm-hmm. The only... I guess the thing of spice that I don't like in this is obviously we need to wait for the other part to uh, come out, but I need to resolve in my head where this fits in with the current ongoing stuff of immortal Hulk. Uh, That was one of the things that I thought about, but it doesn't like, I'm like, yeah, where does this fit in? But in the end, uh, the puppet master ends up controlling you. So you could just go, where does it matter? It, in in between panels, he went off and smashed the thing and then came back. It's not really like integral to the Immortal Hulk storyline, if you know what I mean. I can I can let this slide because we need a Hulk versus Thing story. Yes, yes. I, I and again, I'm not too too hung up on it. But if I had anything to be hung up on, that's the only thing that I would have to be hung up on. And I also wanted to say you had mentioned about the uh, the the artist Sean Izaski. I guess. I don't know how to say okay. his last name, but I'm taking Whilst a swing. I am unfamiliar with his work, I thought his art was beautiful in this book. Oh, he does a beautiful, like, uh, thing and Hulk, you know, and which is what you have to strive for to for a story like this. But, yeah, everything here is great. From the first panel of Thing being tested, like, it, it I, I had a, I, I think he did a wonderful job. And according to his uh, Twitter, his last name is pronounced Isaac X. Isaac X? Yes. Okay. I was close. That's according to his very uh, own Twitter machine. Well, you can't. Twitter machines don't lie. Mm -hmm. And I just want to throw in there, I did not read the backup of Future Foundation, Mm -hmm. only because I want to read Future Foundation, which comes out this week, just in case. Like, I didn't want to get part of the story. Like, I don't know if this, like, the preview in here... I don't know if it's, like, new material that leads into Future Foundation that comes out this week or if it's, like, the first half of the book. Right, because 
I don't know either, but I know it ends. The last page ends with to be continued in the future foundation. Number one. Okay. So whether this is because it says plus future foundation on the cover written by Whitley and drawn by Ro- Robeson. So I, I don't know with your two, like if they're just giving you an extra uh, couple of pages, but I'm hoping that it's new stuff, even though I didn't read it either, because for four ninety nine, I think that's why you're paying the extra buck is for the future foundation stuff. And if it's just a, the first eight pages of a book that I don't want to buy, I, I got robbed. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, but the uh, Fantastic Four book was not like an upcharge. I think it was the normal like three ninety nine. You know? No, the cover of this Fantastic Four number twelve was four ninety nine. Ah, you button hooked me. Hmm. I don't know if there's extra pages of Fantastic Four story or it's the actual Future Foundation story that we're paying for. I think it's the Future Foundation story we're paying for. Which I'm not happy about, but I enjoyed the story so much, I'll live with it. All right. Uh, So the other book that we're going to discuss is what we were looking forward to coming out two weeks ago, which was... uh, Now, I'm not sure if the book is called Jane Foster, Valkyrie, or Valkyrie, Jane Foster, as uh, Marvel's own site seems to be confused by it as well. Right. What I always do with that stuff is go to the trademark in the front or the back of the book, and mm-hmm. that's what the book is called. Like right on the front page, uh, when you go to – it says Valkyrie dot dot Jane Foster number one. So that's what they have like, you know, have their trademark as. Right. But on, uh, written by Jason Aaron and Al Ewing with art by Kafu. This is the thing that we got teases of at the end of War of the Realms. And what was the War of the Realms wrap-up book that they did? Uh, Omega. Omega. So we get little teases of this. So we knew this was coming. It was spoiled six months ago that Jane (laughs) Foster was going to be Valkyrie. Setting up a new status quo where she's still somewhat aligned to Asgardian folks, but she's kind of like the Asgardian force that remains on Earth while Thor goes off to be King Thor, the All-Father, leading to the big wrap-up series that starts in September. While this is going on, she's stopping a group of unrelated thugs that seem, you know, that are just doing whatever it is. One of them gets killed by some sort of Asgardian weapon. She ends up getting demoted down to the morgue at her at the hospital that she's working at, of course, because she's trying to lead the double life of being a superhero with a secret identity and to be Jane Foster. She notices that the person was killed by some sort of Asgardian thing that was missing. And then we get a spoiler at the end of who is using these Asgardian weapons. Right. And I only say that it was a spoiler because I didn't realize that it was on the cover of the second issue. See, I never look at that stuff, so I don't know, you know? That's always like when you'll just say, it's on the cover, I'll be like, oh, is it? I never look. (laughs) Right. That being said, I like this. Uh, I liked the setting up the status quo. I liked putting Jane into a situation that was new to her, you know, the secret identity stuff. And I liked the uh, villain that they threw in there. Right. I found it very interesting of who the villain was and having like, you know, a deadly weapon, you know, the ability was your wheel. He's wielding that. And you're like, pretty cool. But the other thing that I do like, like you is the secret identity, which is almost lost in Marvel in places. You know what I mean? Like a lot of characters don't have them anymore. Um, so I like that, that she's doing the double life. And then on top of that, she has to do the Valkyrie job. 
which is involved with death. And now every time she looks at somebody as Valkyrie, uh, she sees a little skull above them with how much time, depending on like their po- like a possible chance they're going to die. The, the skull is bigger for someone who's going to die recently or soon with very small for like somebody who has lots of life left. And she's using like the Valkyrie vision. She's calling it Valka Valka eyes or something like that. And I was like, all right, that's pretty funny. That's pretty funny. But I like the weird nature of the power and the secret origin. And uh, you know what? It's Al Ewing and Jason Aaron. I'm yeah, yeah I'm going to buy this book for a while. They're going to really have to mess up to make me drop this. Yep. This was, a, like I said, the first issue, very strong. Highly right. recommended. I agree. So that covers uh, what we've read from these last couple weeks. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Mm-hmm. If you head over to longboxheroes.com every Tuesday around 5.30 Eastern Time or so, we put up the pull post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week, whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, however it is that you get your books, be forewarned and be forearmed, know what's coming out. I am very far behind in our game that we play and attempting to guess what the others most looking forward to coming out this week. I'm behind by six correct guesses. And uh, I'll be honest with you, looking at the list of books that Todd has coming out this week, I do not feel confident. But uh, you start first, sir. Okay, I'm looking over your books, and there's a lot of good stuff. There's a lot of good stuff. And there's the, you know, the the tried and true in there with the number 22. But is the book you're looking forward to most Absolute Carnage number one? It is Absolute Carnage number one. Mm. I figured uh, the start of a big storyline, but go ahead. Oh yeah, and again, the the real Marvel event of the summer, Absolute Carnage, at least the only one that matters. Very straightforward. It's a continuation of what Donny Cates has been doing in the Venom book for the better part of the last year or so, with little drips and drabs of like stuff that came over from Thor, War of the Realms, and everything else like that. The well, I'm not going to. Next week we're going to talk about the book. But I'm excited. Right, and you're still going to get it even though no seeds involved. No, no, that's not an enticing way uh, to read a book. For me, I only want to read. And and the thing is, there's a ton of crossover stuff. There's a ton of miniseries. There's all the the stuff that's going on. Mm -hmm. I already get Venom. It crosses over into two issues of Spider-Man, which I also already get. Right. And if I get the main book, which is written by the guy who's writing the Venom book, mm-hmm. I feel as though I'm going to be right in line with where I need to be for this storyline. You're using the, the playbook from uh, War of the Realms, basically. Yes. There you go. So looking over your list. Uh, is it Sinestro Year of the Villain number one? It is not Sinestro uh-huh. Year of the Villain. It is the new Jeff Lemire Diodato book, Berserker Unbound. Well, miniseries. It could have been my, my book as well. I was going to guess Berserker Unbound as well. Right. I, I just love the premise, and I'm a sucker for Diodato's art. Just yep. there, He can't do anything wrong. I remember when we covered in the news several, several months ago when Diodato kind of let his exclusive with Marvel wrap up and within seconds this book was announced. Mm-hmm. And this is another one of those books it's like, oh, Jeff Lemire and uh, Mike Diodato are doing a book. Just tell me the title and the day it comes out and I'll be there. Mm-hmm. You said what the premise is about. 
I think the premise is about like someone from barbarian times dropped off in our current daytime. The elevator pitch Conan gets transported to the future. That's okay. You know, to present day. That's a, that's more information than I know. Mm -hmm. Literally your, your explanation is what I heard Diodato do on Twitter. And I was like, you know what? Thank you. You didn't have to, you were getting my money. But, you know, at least I know it's kind of what it is now. So, but I think it is only a six issue mini, mini to start. I think it's actually only four issues, but I could be, I know it's definitely a mini series. I'm not sure if it's four or six. Okay. For some reason, I remember the original solicitations only saying it's four issues, but either way, I'm here. I am also here four or six. I'm along for the ride. Yes. So while you're over at longboxheroes.com, of course, be sure to check out all the stuff that we've done here in the past. I've gone over it so many times I'm blue in the face. You know everything that exists over there. Uh, the most important things, of course, are our store where you can purchase shirts or stickers or pins of our fancy logo. If you want some more uh, shirts with more fancy logos from this, the soon-to-be-named network, add-ons with wrestling, you can certainly check out our Tee Public store who does sales periodically. It's tough to keep up when and how and where they do their sales. But uh, I don't know. Keep your eye on that page. Uh, you can also help us out by signing up for our Patreon. Uh, Buck will get you access to some of the older shows that Todd and I did with our good buddy DJ. And I think while I was on vacation, it gave you early access to some of the stuff that I had in the can. Anywho, $5 a month gets you early access every week to the After Dark episodes. I think you usually get them right around the same time uh, as these episodes come out. If you want the tr If you're a Patreon member and you want the full life experience of what Todd and I do, listen to After Dark first, and then this show. I would agree. As a matter of fact, uh, the fancy gentleman demands that he r listen that way, because it's out of order, wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey. He wants to do it as we record it, he says. Gotcha. You know, experience, you know? Right. There's recording order and there's publishing order. Yes. Hey, you know, behind the scenes. Pull back the curtain, Joe. That's right. And of course... Uh, I understand you may not be in your budget, you may not be a Patreon person, whatever it is, you could always support us by making your purchases through our Amazon click-through across the top of the page. Over at longboxheroes.com does not cost you anything extra, gives us a little bit of a kickback. They called it an advertising fee because, yes, of course, if it was not for us, Todd and I, Todd and I you would not know Amazon existed. That's the truth. Some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click-through this past week, Todd, is someone purchased a desk chair mat. You know, those things that you put down on your carpet for your desk chair so you don't use, so you don't mess up your uh, carpet with your chair? I need one of those, but it wasn't me. Okay. Someone also purchased a 30-pack of Schick Extreme 3 disposable razors. Someone also purchased season one of the real Ghostbusters, the cartoon, digitally. Someone also purchased the oversized deluxe hardcover edition of the J. Michael Straczynski, Gary Frank opus, Midnight Nation. But well, she's mad that Heroes got made first, so that'll never get made. But go ahead. I think we're far enough away from Heroes that people forget that Heroes is a thing. Uh, the boys kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, Midnight Nation. But anyway, go ahead. But most notably, Todd, and I always like to read these things. Uh, the full description for this item is 
the Lamborghini of book lights. Warm, cool, and natural light types in one superb reading lamp. All in all, adjustable, long-lasting, rechargeable, portable, elegant, the best investment for book lovers. That's the description of this item, Todd. (sighs) The Lamborghini of book lights. (laughs) Give me the John DeLorean of book book lights. Mm, I have the Pinto of book lights. (laughs) It's got like one Christmas bulb in it that kind of like dims. When, you know, like there's a power surge, I can't really read. So I'd like to upgrade to the Lamborghini of uh, book lamps. While that while that item description does tell me a lot of information about uh, that book light, that book light, it tells me nothing about the book light itself, like who makes it or anything like that. All I know is of some of the uh, description of it, I am some of it, and I'm also not some of it. Adjustable? I'm a little bit adjustable. Mm -hmm. Um, Definitely not long-lasting. Definitely not rechargeable. But portable and elegant, that's all me. It has three different light colors. It comes in a little carry tote bag. Well, I've I've got three colors. Pale, Uh slightly more red, and then just red. So that's like, you know... My cardio is not everything it could be. A seven-foot charging light, a keyhole hanger, so you could hang it, like, on a on the wall or something. I don't know why you would do that, but it's also very small and compact. I mm. uh, still don't know the name of the company that makes this thing. Does it matter when it's the Lamborghini of book lights? I just, I just think that might be a little pretentious to say we're the Lamborghini of book lights. I would like to say, Todd... We are the Lamborghini of podcasts. The supercharged Lambo of podcasts. Oof. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So uh, that is those things. And one last bit of business while you're over at longboxheroes.com, of course. Sadly, we are 30 (laughs) days away from the beginning of the not XFL football season. I keep a timer on my phone as we're recording this. We are exactly 29 days, 21 hours, 28 minutes, and 10 seconds, 9 seconds, 8 seconds away from kickoff to the first game, Joe. Over the weekend, was, didn't they play like an exhibition game over the weekend in like some other country? Uh, they played a pregame. Up there. They're in the preseason. I don't know. Maybe they did with that, but they also did the Hall of Fame game on Thursday, which they have a game with a team from somebody that's being inducted to the Hall of Fame at Canton, Ohio, and everything. So that's always always fun for the, the, the real Hall of Fame, you know, over there at football, the real, not fake one, like, like wrestling. Mm-hmm. Totally 100% real football. <sighs> Not like college basketball, which is completely on the up and up. Easy. Be careful. You don't want to head at the show a third time. That's all right. Just once is enough. So uh, the link to it is pinned as the first post over at longboxheroes.com. If you were with us in the past, whether last year or the year before, uh, all you need to do is just click on the little thing that says go here. re-sign in with your previous credentials. You know, if you forgot your password, you could do that. And then you have to click create new entry. Or you will end up in a 16-minute recursive loop (laughs) that I have to edit out of this podcast. Well, it's, you know, that happens occasionally. When you, the Labrigani, you know, sometimes hits a speed bump. Uh Uh-huh. 
Uh, but if you're new to us and want to take part in it, it's just a straight pickums. You know, there's no line, there's no point spread, there's no nothing like that. It's just whoever picks the winner. It's bragging rights. It's a way that we can kind of poke fun. Uh, you know, we typically have about two to three people claim to be words and part of this. <laughs> uh, but it's it's fun. It's a way to make football fun for people who hate fake sports like me. Yes, you do hate fake sports. And I sadly, I think this year I'm on my own with this because I think my son has given up on attempting to help with this. I, and next time I see you, remind me, I'm going to help you out wonderfully. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to have to make a decision in your life on this stuff. I think before he was of a speaking age, I did this myself. Right. Uh, and I think what I did was I just like, like, oh, my friend Eddie likes the Giants and like, yep. you know. Todd's a Raiders fan, so I would always pick the Raiders to win. Right, right. So we'll see. I don't know. When it gets a little bit closer to the season, I'll ask him if he wants to do it. He told me last year no, but he uh, changes his mind all the time. What, you're saying he's he might not have the same answer he had a year ago? He might have he might not have the same answer he had ten minutes ago. I hope he found his pool noodle. <laughs> I do hope he found his pool noodle for sticking swords in. Right. Again, when you listen after dark, that'll make sense. Mm-hmm. And uh, Todd, did we have any art attacks in the last two weeks? Uh, we did not have any art attacks that I that I remember. So, oh, assassin ho- Hopefully, with you know, probably next week with uh, me going to Terrific Con, well, I'll definitely have an art attack. Unless, I mean, unless an artist doesn't get me what I paid for, and that could never happen. <laughs> and I know. Uh, Josh is uh, someone who regularly gets sketches and so forth, so I'm sure he'll be uh, tweeting stuff out from whatever he picked up from there as well. Right. Hopefully. If not, I'll, you know, I'll twist his arm. Uh Uh-huh. So I think that's the end of this before we get into some TV talk, eh? Yes, I believe so. I believe it's TV talk all the time now. All right. So um, we bid you adieu if you don't care about TV talk, didn't see, or don't care about Krypton or the finale of Swamp Thing. Uh, thanks for listening. Episode 362, or 462, oh my goodness, 462 of Longbox Heroes. And, uh, yeah, uh, we'll give you, like, a second to get lost, and then we'll talk about Krypton and Swamp Thing. Right. Okay. So, uh, Krypton Todd, I'm going to need to lean on you a little bit. Not a problem. Because I think uh, the episode from two weeks ago, the Zods and Monsters episode, didn't stick in my head. Right. Because they were doing flashbacks to stuff that happened in the previous episode in the most recent episode entitled Mercy. And I'm like, I know I watched this episode, but for some reason this stuff just didn't stick in my head for some reason. Yes. So you want me to take over is what you're saying. Take lead. Yes. So basically, this the as the three weeks ago ended, and the beginning of the first episode, Zods and Monsters, is uh, Zod using the uh, the whatever it was the the Matrix to take down as a weapon to take down Doomsday. He takes him back to uh, the city that they're at, and he ends up doing tests on it, and we start seeing flashbacks to his origin, which was there was a war in uh on krypton a thousand years ago and both the l's the scientists and the zods the the houses got together and decided to make a thing to stop all wars and they end up using a slightly different origin from the comic to get uh 
to get Doomsday. They use a, a soldier and turn him into the, 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 the giant Doomsday thing and then end up the war ends. So they put it on ice and that's how we end up getting Doomsday into this thing. Well, that's going on. Kim, who is Zeg's friend and the old bartender, he's, he's stepped up as a leader in the resistance and he goes on a mission to uh, find the, the Sagittari hitting, hidden on the moon. He takes Adam with him. Uh, the basic storyline with that is Adam grows to respect Kem, that he's become a true leader when he finds the Sagittari. He ends up bringing them in. Instead of slaughtering them, he ends up helping them, thereby showing that Zod has abandoned them and brings them into the fold, basically. So it's like, not only is he helping, he's bringing, uh, joining the, the army with the resistance. And while this is going on, Nyssa and Seg end up at the fortress on Krypton and they try to get the uh, nanites, the Bran- Brainiac nanites out of them. And Nyssa ends up doing it, uh, but ends up putting them in the Val hologram computer and ends up stealing their baby, which they had just changed the name from Corvex because uh, Nissa doesn't want her, them to do anything with the family. Ends up uh, naming them him Jor-El, so it's officially the Jor-El child. We weren't sure, and Brainiac steals uh, Jor-El because he thinks the L line is the future of Krypton. So I thought that was all really cool. And then in the next episode, basically it's, they keep the storylines going, uh, Seg and Nissa and up going to the, to the, to the city to try and meet up with people ends up finding out that, uh, Lyda has been alive and she's been under the spell of the black mercy from the famous Alan Moore story. And she's been envisioning a, the perfect future of her and Seg getting married. And, uh, Lyda's mother shows up with Dev and they end up uh, helping Seg, who gets captured, taking away. And in the end, uh, the scientist ends up using the mercy to put Doomsday under Zod's control so he can set it to the moon and also send it off into space to conquer the universe. So overall, I like uh, two interesting stories, and I like the origin of uh, Doomsday. It was a little different, but still kind of creepy. Right, so I like that they're playing with the Superman comic book mythology stuff, Mm -hmm. but twisting it just enough so it fits into what they're wanting to do on the show, Mm -hmm. but not muddying it up so much that it's ruining it. Right, because I just don't see them doing, hey, we're going to slaughter a baby a hundred times over on cable TV. You know what I mean? Like, so they made it a soldier who was willing. Not basic cable, maybe pay cable. That is true. Maybe, you know, game of Thrones, but uh, yeah. So I did, I did like that, that the soldier ended up, uh, you know, becoming doomsday and it makes you kind of sympathetic for doomsday, even though you know that he's a, a, you know, a soulless killing machine now. And I know with the, uh, Return of Lissa being of, uh, or is it, yeah, uh, Lida, Lida, my apologies, Lida being alive still. Now, the one that was sent down was a clone, as I understand it. Yes, he originally cloned her because she stood up to him, to Zod pronouns. Right, because we get that, it was a little unclear if it was like obviously, you know, okay, so it was a little unclear if the one that was sent down to the planet was the clone. Or that he made a clone knowing that the original would die. And that if the original died, he had this cloned backup that he had under the control of the Black Mercy. 
see what I remember them, him actually saying was I knew it would never work out because she was starting to fight me that I basically cloned her made her did the because the clone would still be Lyda like downloading the brain into her like a copy so he had her what do you call it adjusted in the chair that's why that's why he saw you know the footage in the chair of her being changed by the by the the scientist so he had to change the clone or she would have fought him the same way it was all kind of explained throughout the the episode that i remember anyway so i thought that was cool but my favorite thing out of it all is when they rename the baby Corvex into Jor-El, the original John Williams Superman theme starts to play, just rolls in quietly. And even just thinking about it, I get goosebumps. Anytime I hear that Superman theme, I'm like the best comic book character theme, in my opinion, in the history of movies or TV. No. Uh, so movies, absolutely 100%, not even a chance. Right. TV, depending on the mood, you know, the 60s Batman TV theme is a classic. It It is, but I don't get, it doesn't move, like, like I hear na 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 Batman, and I go like, ah, goofy fun stuff, like, I equate, uh, but I don't equate that song to every Batman you can use the John Williams theme with every Superman. And they even used it with curmudgeon Superman in justice league for a moment. And it still worked in that dark costume with that, like, you know, no fun Superman. You were still like, he's Superman. Cause they played the song. Now, didn't they do like a little bit of like a different mix on it in the movie, but it was enough. You knew what right. you were hearing. Right. So my question is, do you prefer it just coming in as the, Dun, 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 dun. Or do you need the dun 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 to precede it? Okay, so now we're gonna get deep into this show. Right. When you're just doing the renaming of Jor El, that's a <laughs> low key n- moment where you don't need the dun 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 dun. dun, dun. You just need the you know. So you ha- that works. If it's Superman getting ready to bust stuff up, you need the lead in. Like if it's if it's you know actual superman then yes you need the full thing but if it's just to give you a hint of superman you could just start it out slow with with the with the main notes that you that you need to get to if that makes any sense it does make sense so there you go i'm right once again it's 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 tough being me joe is it cold there standing in my shadow i just need to know goodness (laughs) uh where were you this morning oh but Krypton's good. Krypton mm-hmm. is. We got two episodes left of the season. Uh, I still think we're gonna get some sort of throwdown between Doomsday and Lobo at some point. Probably. You can't introduce Lobo for like two or three episodes and then he just never shows up. Yes, it's time for his own show because they've never done that in spinoffs, Joe. Right. It's gonna roll into the backdoor pilot. The the episode ten. <laughs> <You're> gonna... <laughs> He's going to, like, exit a window, and then it's going to cut to the other side of the window, and it's the beginning of his new show. That's right. Lobo's Ladies. It's It's our very special. He goes, he does a show in Vegas. And he's teaching a true. They just take old Blansky Beauty scripts and put Lobo in them. 
Hey, I, would you not watch Lobo's Ladies if it was Lobo, our Lobo now, and Arkansas? If Arkansas is still with us, absolutely. There you go. I would totally watch Lobo's Ladies. I say she needs a paycheck. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we have the finale, the last two episodes, maybe ever, of Swamp Thing. Right. What was the name of the second to last episode, Joe? The Anatomy Lesson. Oh, okay. There you go. So uh, we discussed this on After Dark, but we'll kind of get into it a little bit here. So when the episode goes up on the app, we had postulated that they have to do the Anatomy Lesson. They're going to do the Anatomy Lesson. They have to do it. And they did it. And I freaked out, but I was at work, so I couldn't watch it, right? Mm-hmm. I come home from work. I try to coordinate with Todd to maybe record something extra. I end up passing out after doing the lawn. Todd ends up going to the movies the next day, so we end up not doing anything. Mm-hmm. So, like, I have to keep the anatomy lesson stuff fresh in my head for the season finale. But the anatomy lesson episode was everything I wanted it to be. Ooh, difference of opinion. Okay. Uh, there's no way they could have done it exactly because uh, the anatomy lesson in the comic books was the closing of one chapter of Swamp Thing's story and the beginning of a new chapter. Mm-hmm. Whereas the anatomy lesson here was used as the bridge to close this chapter. Unfortunately, right. not to begin a new chapter. No, I, I, I get what you're saying. So but, go ahead, with sorry. that being said, I think this was the way for the TV show they had to present possibly the most famous Swamp Thing story of all time. It is the it is the most famous Swamp Thing story of all time, followed by the second famous, which never got made, which was the the Jesus Christ uh, issue of Swamp Thing. Yeah. But yeah, Anatomy Lesson by far is the most famous Swamp Thing story. So but, you, uh, you, it sounds like you had issues or problems with uh, the Anatomy Lesson episode. Right, because, and the one thing that I'll say is at least I do feel that the Anatomy Lesson in whole was the way it was supposed to be. Do you know what I mean? Because it was episode nine and 10 was the one that they got the scripts one morning telling them, hey, we're canceled. So we're rewriting everything for 10. So I do feel nine played out the, the way it was supposed to. But in the end, you know, it is a famous issue. So it's never going to live up to my expectations. They did a lot of cool stuff with it, but there was too much stuff going on around it. It was like, we're getting the blue devil to actually happen and this is going on and there's stuff going on with, with the other getting Maria being committed. We're yeah. getting all the, right. So I, I do feel that it, it didn't hit the mark because it was too scattered and not that that was bad. This is still a really good story. But then on top of that, um, you, we have, uh, it's the, in the comic, it worked because it was, like you said, it was the ending of a chapter. We had had 20-some issues of Swamp Thing and then a run before that. And everything we had known was changed where he's only Swamp Thing for eight episodes. And we get the, the realization that, oh, I'll never be cured. Where our thing was, we've watched him for years trying to find a cure. And we're hoping for it. Where this is like, oh, I've, I've only been Swamp Thing five days. Right. And there's no cure. So it's, I know that would still be horrific to find out, but it, I don't know if you get what I'm trying to say. It no, it's, and the TV show is a much more compressed schedule to get to this resolution that was a little bit more earned over time in the comic books. Right. 
Whereas I very, I very well think if this did get a full 13 episode series order, that they didn't cut it short, they did get the def- definitiveness that there was going to be a season two, that there wasn't going to be a season two, this is your ending. Right. Uh, it could have been. I don't know. I just, I think you needed to wrap some stuff up and they, you know, that'll be when we get to the next episode. But all in all, I don't know. I just thought even some of the, the Blue Devil stuff was weird. I don't know. Just. I, right. So the Blue Devil stuff, unfortunately, ends up being a non-factor. For Which, right. Because Blue Devil really wasn't involved in Swamp Thing in the comic books. I think it was just like, oh, what's a character we could use? We have an idea. Let's run with it. Let's make it part of this story. But at the end of the story, after the 10 episodes, this entire story could have come to pass with zero involvement from Blue Devil. Except for that one scene where he had the vision that uh, Abby was going to get attacked when she was going to rescue Swamp Thing. Right. But that literally could have been anyone to divert them. There didn't need to be this multiple episode arc of Blue Devil for him to get into that position. Right. I think there was going to be more eventually. We had three more episodes plus... They they were they were they, like all the creators were saying we were setting up Justice League Dark, you know, which would have been Shadow Pact, and you know Swamp Thing wasn't in Shadow Pact, but he was in Justice League Dark, so that's what they were gonna, that's what they were building to. I think he would have saved them. He would have had a bigger arc in the last three episodes, four episodes from here, and he would have left town like he did in the last episode, but that would have led into season two or whatever they did Justice League Dark. So I, I think it just fell, you know, victim of the show being canceled. So, right. So this episode is entitled loose ends. Mm -hmm. And I get with what you're saying is they're supposed to be tying up some of these loose ends, but it seems as though they still left in more stuff to set up for a second season. I do too. I think we might not get a second season of Swamp Thing. But down the line, we might get a a season of Justice League Dark starring Swamp Thing. Do you know, so you could play off because there was a couple of things, and I do feel that the last episode, Loose Ends, was terribly done. In that it all happened so fast that literally the people are explaining what's going on in the dialogue to wrap loose. I like some of the ending. There was some great moments of acting with some of the like, you know, like uh, like uh, the guy uh, Sutherland and stuff like that that I really liked. But man, like with J- uh, Jake Busey, like when they're going after the, the swamp thing, cause that's part of the thing they they go into the swamp to get him after he's realized that he's no longer Al Collins. So he's not going to hold back and they go in and Jake, Jake Busey actually uses the line or two actors together. One does it. One does it. he's like, we're not hunting him. He's hunting us. And I was like, Oh my God, like, this is terrible. This is just, just, just terrible dialogue. Like, like, uh, Abby would show up and her reporter friend, she'd be like, Hey, I'm just here at the house because I heard it on the scanner. So I'm here. And I'm like, wow. Like just, no, this is not working, but everybody gets their storyline wrapped up pretty much except for a few people. Right. So all in all, I guess, what was your thoughts on swamp thing? I really enjoyed it. I think, 
The last episode was a bit of a was a, a, sh- a schlub. I think if it had gotten the three more episodes, we would have seen the Parliament of Trees. They even mentioned it on Twitter and stuff like that. They had the sets that they're never used because we never got to it. Um, I think they ca- could have stuck the landing if all those endings were spread out. Do you know what I mean? Over three yes. episodes instead of everybody like everybody hey because literally the episode went hey here's a here's a minute and a half with abby now here's a minute and a half with sutherland and the cop here's a minute and a half with the old lady and madam zan or the uh sutherland's wife and madam xanadu here's a minute and a half and i'm like wow we're just rocketing through this to get through everything but i loved issues episodes one through nine so yeah. i think if we had three more i would i would have loved Ever, I, they would have wrapped it up well and gone into another season. Uh, and again, I say that this was a touchdown that was called back on a penalty for there your you football go. vernacular. Right. Uh, a great idea in execution up until that last episode where it felt as though everything was rushed. And I, I was less upset that it was rushed and more upset that it leaves it open-ended for something that we may not even be getting. Right, because pretty much all the stories, it pretty much had kind of an ending. Swamp Thing's going to live in the swamp with Abby to fight the darkness, which you can end on that. You'd probably end on that somehow, someday. You know what I mean? Because you're not going to tell Swamp Thing stories forever. But the one that kind of messed me up was the Sutherland story, where he ends up coughing up like plant life. Yeah, yeah. And that just ends. You're just like, he's like, what the F? And he, He coughs up a thing. Mm-hmm. We really don't get a great look at it, right? And then it's just like we move on to the next thing, right? Everybody else, you know, it's still the, uh, the uh, Blue Devil left to go to Hollywood, whatever. So he's that's that's a story. Like I could live with him. Like I'm out. Uh, Sutherland's wife ends up having her peaceful moment in the institution with with her the ghost of her daughter for the rest of his life. Abby and Swamp Thing are in the 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 thing. Uh, the female cop gets killed, the mother. Uh, and then in the end, uh, Matthew Cable, I think, you know, whether he got killed or not by the Floronic man. Uh, and that was the best thing. I think the doctor's storyline with the wife was the best story uh, of the last episode where he just loses it and ends up becoming the Floronic man. I'm like, this is fantastic. But everything else I was so. I don't know. That's the way I look at the episode. Right. I'm from, all the over mo- the place. from the moment we saw Jason Woodrue show up in the show, we're like, oh, he's the fl- he's going to be the Floronic Man. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think we were going to get it, but as you just mentioned, there's that post-credit sequence. Right. And he and, looks you know, really we, cool. I, we get the off-screen death of Matt Cable. Uh, you know, we'd mentioned before that Sunderland kills the sheriff. So... There's a lot going on in this last episode. It's just, you know, right? No, I get you. I and and we uh, like everybody still to this day is like that. We don't know why. Like the, the the state that they were in said like no, they knew. Like what's the story? Like I I I, I hope someday there's like a tell a swamp behind the scenes swamp thing tell all book because I'd love to read what happened on this because I think people everybody's telling the fib. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Somebody's not saying something. Exactly. Right. All right. So uh, last but not least, you claim that you watched the entirety of The Boys on Amazon. Is that correct? Yes, I did. The first, I think there's only eight episodes for season one. Okay. So I read the first two issues of this and 
I got what the joke was. Right. And I never kind of looked back at it, you know, because I'm like, this is not the best Garth Ennis thing. This is not the best Derek Robertson thing. Mm -hmm. More power to you. I'm surprised it got made into a TV show. Um, I know what you're saying. I'm along the way of I read more than two issues, but I got to and I don't know where because they were running concurrent there was like an, the, the ongoing storyline the ongoing book was going and then there was a mini called Herogasm and when that mini came out like that would be like you'd read the book and it had to do with that mini at the same time and then shortly after that I was like alright I feel like you're starting to pad this and I, I feel that they did and then they ended up changing companies in there somewhere and so I don't know how the story ended or what's going on, but I ended up watching the eight episodes and from people that I know that watched it, they were telling me like, yeah, like this never happened. I'm like, I don't remember that in the first, whatever issues I read. And they're like, no, that, that never happened. And that's changed. And I'm like, okay. But basically the, the, the story is kind of the same that, uh, the main characters, ki- uh, why a girlfriend gets killed by uh, a flash pastiche and he gets hooked up with Billy Butcher, who's Carl Urban. And then the group comes together uh, of the boys. And we members keep coming in. Where in the book, it was like we started with it. Right. And the most fun is Vought and the, the heroes. Because they're all dirtbags. And when you think of any everything can't get more fake or dirtbaggery, they throw more fake and dirtbaggery on top. And I'm like, I'm having so much fun with this. You know what I mean? So is this worth my time to check out? Um, you have no stake in the game, right? The way you did Preacher. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. This is fun in that way. And, and, and like, as you're watching it, like stuff's happening and you're laughing because it's goofy and then terrible stuff. And you're like, Oh man. So it has the feel. So I don't want to shake you off with preacher. You know how like preacher was quirky at least. And you were like, when you watched it, you're like, all right, that scene was cool. And this was done. Well, that's what it feels like. But with a story, you have no connection to where you're going to be like, I need to watch it. And it's fun because there's like some in jokes and stuff like at a, at a shareholders meeting they're like we're they're given somebody's given a speech and the video behind it is all just knockoffs of snyder shots from the cinematic universe oh. it's like somebody walking through a field of wheat with their hand and you're like i get this joke like all right they're knocking the so it's fun i think if you're if you're not looking for anything deep and just quirky and fun you you would enjoy the boys but if you if you're looking for like swamp thing horror and deep or anything like that, you're you're not gonna get it because you, you know what you're gonna get from Garth's story because you read the comic, even though it's slightly changed. Right. I don't okay. know if that that, that kind of makes sense. I had fun. It wasn't the end all be all, but it was a good time, and I want to see where it goes. Gotcha. Because there's that Ed Brubaker thing that's on Amazon as well. That too old to die young. Which is what's next on my list. Because now that I finished Stranger Things season three and I finished The Boys, I'm like, all right, Too Old to Die Young is next. I can't think of 
too much else other than like four episodes or three episodes of uh, which you never watched the latest season of Black Mirror. I'm like, so what do I want to watch next? I could crank out a couple episodes of Black Mirror and then start Too Old to Die Young. Gotcha. It's probably not going to be this weekend that I crack into any of these things, but uh, at least I have an idea of where I could lean to. Right. The one thing that I do like, and I know we want to get out of this, but is watching stuff while you were gone away made me realize like how, how off, like what I could, would put off and what I would keep watching, if that makes any sense. Because there was no urgency to get it done within the week. Right. Like, man sometimes doing and i loved doing the show and talking about tv but sometimes watching tv feels like a chore and it was nice to just go oh you know what i don't have to cram in krypton and swamp thing i can enjoy krypton and swamp thing i could watch i could watch these at my leisure right i don't have to watch that and then this and then in there i'm going to see once upon a time in hollywood and my you know whatever so now i'm like you know what and because of that i watched the end of Stranger Things before I watched any of Krypton and Swamp Thing for this week because I knew I had two weeks, and right. I, and I enjoyed Stranger Things more because it wasn't work, I, but it's still fun. You know what I'm saying? So show like TV stuff is 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 weird to me. Seeing having that gap, it, it changed the way I look at things. So that's all I have to say on that. Well, Todd, I'll close the show this way. I want it. I'm glad that I was able to enjoy you enjoying your time off. Yay. We'll go get some nachos sometime. There you go. So for episode 462 of long box heroes, this is Joe for Todd saying, thanks everyone for listening. And we'll see you all here next week. Remember be a faucet, not a drain. <laughs> <laughs>